The Curved Triangle, Part 1. We must have a winner and a loser. We want it. You can't have the biggest boat without someone having a smaller boat. You can't have more sex without someone else having less sex. You can't have the most knowledge without someone else having less knowledge. You don't win a poker game without the other hands at the table folding, and your country can't win the World Cup without the other 31 countries going home defeated. What a shock it can be then to find out that there is a way to living where keeping score doesn't matter, when the game is over, where your money, health, possessions, experience, and knowledge are useless and meaningless to your salvation. You don't win or lose. Someone has already won by taking the onslaught of our problems upon himself. So when I turned away from belief, I needed a winner and a loser. Only by turning back could I see what exactly it was that I had turned away from. And in many cases, I never really examined it in the first place because it appeared boring. This problem of boredom was one of the worst blockers to my turning back. An extreme dumbing down of instruction caused this as I failed to understand why religion has lasted so long. The misunderstanding of the big picture and the details left me with a caricature or a grotesque version of religion as painted by a secular media and an entertainment industry that very clearly loathes it and loathes religious people. But I can't blame cultural steering nearly as much as I can blame myself because lacking all conviction, I let the winds move me, the mood of the hour, and I failed to grasp the need for both reason and faith, thinking that one or the other had all the answers, particularly thinking that reason had all the answers, and the other was nothing more than a complex child's fantasy, a word salad. As the saying goes, reason and faith are the two wings that help you to fly, and I attempted to fly with a single wing and crashed into the mountain, struggling to maintain any direction, exhausted from so much one-sided flapping. I realized that there were three planes or points that my life careened between when I used only one of those wings. These three points made a triangle and each day my location on that triangle moved and the walls of this triangle were formed by connections between one of these three states. The first state was self-hatred or sin without remorse the second was self-righteousness without interior transformation and the third was indifference these three states form walls making a triangle that people can bounce around in. it's like a video game character it's like a pyramid these three walls and i was stuck on this pyramid and the object of the game was to find equilibrium at the center, at the top. But that was the problem. I could never get to the center. I could only pass over the apex now and then and then slide down one of the three sides again. I thought this triangle was a flat, two-dimensional shape where I could just plant myself wherever I liked. But with enough experience, I came to realize this triangle had a curve to it. The center was elevated. So I think of this triangle or pyramid as a curved surface. The game, I thought, was to get to dead center, to balance in that place where I didn't despise myself, didn't worship myself, and I wasn't indifferent about life. 
This is difficult because the triangle exterior is made of Teflon, so that getting to the top and balancing in the middle could never last for long, as I would roll or slide down to one of the three sides again. Gravity pulled me downward to the edges. To remain in the middle, I had to be perfect or to have the perfect circumstances to generate enough energy to get there. But being imperfect, I could never get there or if I did, never stay there for more than an instant. I strived to get to the top of this warped shape, but the gravity of my instincts pulled me back down the incline. Whenever I reached the peak, that centered state, when my aim was occasionally on target, I was able to briefly feel peace, but I couldn't stay there. So I wanted to get it back again. Once you know there is a center, and that the center offers goodness and beauty and truth, the urge to return to it becomes a goal. The peace in that center is what I wanted. People are always trying to find the center of this warped pyramid, and they use various kinds of fuel to get there. This is why drugs and violence and entertainment and sex seem like the way to get to the center, because it creates energy in us, enough that we can create a force and roll ourselves uphill and temporarily get to the glorious middle. When feeling high or when doing something new for the first time, you pass over that center, and there's a sense of transcendence for a bit, for a minute, for an hour. And after you slide away, you know it's still there, and it's so close to you, but it's so far. The nearness of it summons you, yet it can never be held. Getting to the top, the center, appears to be the goal of the game of life. We, we strive and try to self-actualize in the middle of this curved shape. I can see people I know struggling to get to this center. They're scrambling and grasping and charging up that slippery hill. Millions of people today are playing this game, clawing and scrapping toward it, trying to get to the top. And they're somewhere between despair, superiority, and indifference. And they're always moving around the sides of this pyramid. There are millions who've settled into the edges, stuck on the walls, who've stopped trying to even climb it, kind of miserably accepting their state of either self-love, self-hatred, or, most commonly now, indifference. Many have just stopped trying. But there is a cheat code to this game. You can turn this pyramid over. You can flip the triangle over. We're f we are foolishly climbing on the outside when we could be reclining on the inside. When you see the world differently, this hill climbing goes away. Instead of a hill in the middle, this triangle shape becomes a bowl. When it is no longer a hill, it becomes a nest. The center is no longer a place you struggle toward, but a place of rest you gladly occupy through no merit or really effort of your own. I realized slowly that I'd been looking at the wrong side of this shape all along. The turn toward God is the cheat code. It flips this triangle over. The difficulty of navigating this curved triangle changes when you change your perspective. There's a stoic idea uh, that says the obstacle is the way. But once you change your perspective, that no longer makes sense because you come to realize that there is no obstacle other than yourself. And then it becomes easy to get to the center. You no longer fight gravity, you come to rest in gravity, and you only oscillate from that center when the world shakes you up, 
and then you get jostled about because you're thinking about yourself again. But with surrender, you can easily slide back into the center, restfully. You give control over to God and put your trust, a radical trust, in his guidance and direction. And the struggle ends because you no longer need anything else. The world tells you you need to climb this hill, that getting to the top is where you need to be. When you're trying to get to the top, trying to get to the center that hard way, you can experience the fleeting joy only briefly as you miss the mark and roll away. You know the center, you know the sweet spot is there, but you can't reach it. Or if you do reach it, you cannot stay there. You know there's a euphoric state in the middle of this triangle, but the effort required to get there exhausts you and is unsustainable for a lifetime. Which is why those of the worldly view end up settling into the edges on the outside of the pyramid, standing about like wallflowers, until they realize, if they're lucky, that they have been looking at the world the wrong way, and after trying everything else, arrive at this secret cheat code that turns the world upside down. In my younger days, days of high energy, I would roll from the wall of indifference toward the wall of sin or despair, and on that day's journey, I could pass near the center. I could charge uphill, but it took immense energy, and for me, I would confuse the experience high of the center with the power of myself to willfully create peace and contentment. A thing to note, you cannot truly will peace into existence into your heart. You cannot will it, but you can pray for it. And then with continued effort, peace happens. Contentment happens. And when I say effort, I mean giving yourself up. That's the effort, is to let yourself go. So when peace happens or contentment happens, neither of those things can be willed or forced or created. Peace and contentment require rest and letting go, not doing or acting. I recently saw a bumper sticker that said, there is no God, so stop praying and do something, with do something being in all capital letters. I couldn't think of a better example of the problem. I couldn't craft a better statement of the, the problem than what this person's bumper sticker said. But definitely not in the way the owner of the car was thinking about it. I was seeing the problem from a completely different way than the car's owner. The entire problem is this idea to do something instead of surrendering. My former problems really are summed up in that bumper sticker's imperative because that encapsulated my worldview. In a godless world, we must act and we must do. We must run around experiencing everything. We have this idea of an imagined utopia where no problems will exist and it's just around the corner if only we would do something. The distracted and agitated state means we cannot sit still. However, in that same godless world, once you run around long enough doing something to better yourself and justify your life, you realize that it doesn't matter what you do. And so you can conclude that you might as well eat, drink, and be merry. And after you do something long enough, you realize that pleasure also isn't the way to live, as all pleasures become dull once enjoyed too many times. 
Think of if you eat a giant chocolate cake or eat a whole pizza and how you feel afterwards. Eventually, the conscience comes calling as the still small voice in your head knows that something is lacking and you begin to see decisions and choices and the consequences they bring about. When you run out of energy doing something, you fall to the wall of indifference, out of energy, cynical and pessimistic. In a godless world where nothing matters but what we imagine, the wall of indifference or the wall of despair is a final resting place. The problem of a world without God, once you've convinced yourself that we are but a speck on a speck in the universe, that we are so small that we do not matter, and that there is no purpose to life, the problem is this. Now you have to live in that universe. That universe that you've decided is the one, you have to live in that now. A universe of meaninglessness is one where you absolutely must do something, in, L, in capital letters, just to keep from going insane. And drinking certainly fooled me with the sensation that it could transcend the problem. But this problem cannot be escaped so easily. I would start from indifference and disappointment, become intoxicated, and careen past a brief state of temporary tipsy joy until I fell back down between the walls of self-righteousness and self-hatred. I still can remember nights where you were drinking and you'd step outside of a bar and look at the stars and just think, wow, look at this beauty while you're feeling the buzz, feeling the night sky, feeling these amazing things. And to quote Oscar Wilde, some of us may be laying in the gutter, but we're looking at the stars. But quite honestly, you wouldn't want to be laying in the gutter. So in my peripheral vision from that old view, as I pinballed between the triangle of sin and self-righteousness and indifference, I knew there was something better, something more, and there was an elusive state of peace and joy that, that would last, that it wasn't you had to drink to get there. There was something in the middle of this pyramid in the center. So I wanted to get back to it, but I could never stay there with that approach because the physics was all wrong. But when you flip the triangle over and change it from a hill into a valley, from an uphill to a downhill, you need very little effort to get back to the place of joy. Humility lets you roll right down into the center to the nest where you are no longer restless and striving. You are no longer tired or angry. As St. Augustine said, my heart was restless until it rested in thee. He knew that he had found the bowl, the cup, the nest, the place of rest. Once he flipped this triangle over, he passed through the plain to the other side, and suddenly he no longer needed to struggle to get to the center. In fact, one of St. Augustine's great realizations was when he saw a drunkard on the street who seemed happy. The drunk appeared to be at rest in his excess, and Augustine actually envied the drunk. In all his success, Augustine was himself miserable, while the drunkard seemed perfectly content. But St. Augustine forgot to realize that the drunkard would wake up the next day and be miserable back in one of those corners of indifference or self-hatred, 
while he was perched on his self-love and was careening back and forth between self-hatred and self-love. He was somewhere between self-righteousness and despair until he flipped the triangle over and came to rest in the center for good once and for all. Finally, there is one more level to this change of worldview. This triangle shape is like an escape room. And once you flip the triangle over, and once you see the triangle differently, and once you come to rest in the bottom in that center, you can experience a lasting peace. But there's one more hidden treasure to this shape. Once you are stable and steady and are basking in the comfort of not struggling, you can turn and can see further because it's not just a two-dimensional curved surface after all. Along this curved triangle, there's a spot that reveals a Z-scale, another dimension. And this is a spot that millions are looking for and don't know it. And this is where someone left his guidepost, a sign for us. He points us to where the wholeness of God is, to where he is seated next to God. And this turning to see this is difficult at first, but we can sense this dimension. He called it the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. We have to look for the narrow gate.